Our guest today says the war against sexual immorality, which begins in our minds and hearts, cannot be won by trying harder to modify our behavior. We're going to talk about it this morning because if we desire to live a pure life in Christ Jesus, how is that accomplished? Is there hope for holiness? That is the book, Hope and Holiness, How the Gospel Enables and Empowers Sexual Purity. And with us is John Fonville. He serves as the rector, pastor in charge, and is the founder and church planner of Paramount Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And good morning, John. Hi. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for joining us, John. So let's talk, talk a little bit about your um, inspiration and why you wrote this book. Uh-huh. Great. Um, basically, the what I had seen throughout uh, years and years of uh, pastoral work in the church is this, is that um, believers, believe it or not, they struggle with sin. <laughs> and they struggle, uh, they struggle constantly. Mm-hmm. They, they struggle daily. And sometimes the struggle is very real. And there is a real problem in the church with uh, sexual sin, obviously, but yeah. all kinds, but all kinds of sin. Right. Yeah. But but what what I had been seeing was this: is that uh, believers are constantly fed a diet of relevant, practical tips and advice, and it's and it's so it's it's not that this diet of practical tips is bad. It's not that it's wrong. Uh, obviously, it's good advice. But there's a problem with that because relevant a, a constant diet of relevant and practical advice simply imposes further expectations and demands as conditions for success. And what happens is, is when, when, uh, when a Christian who is struggling with sin fails to live up to these imposed expectations and conditions, they just fall further into despair. At the last chapter of my book, I have this illustration because um, we live at the beach here in Florida. Mm-hmm. When we go to the beach, we get to see these great big naval ships that are in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. We also get to see these great big cruise ships that, that uh, leave our port. They go up and down the coast almost on a daily basis. These great big naval ships, these great big cruise ships, they have great, they have the best GPS tracking systems, satellite systems, and those satellite systems constantly tell them, hey, go this way, go north, go south, go east, go west, watch out, you're going to hit something in the ocean, you know, turn left, turn right. So they have these great GPS tracking systems that tell them where to go. But here's what would happen. If those great big naval ships or cruise ships didn't have an engine, those GPS systems, as good as they are, could not make them go where the GPS system is saying yeah. to go. Mm. And that's what happens in the Christian life. Christians get lots of tip, lots of exhortations, practical steps, advice. But that's like the GPS system. Yes, we're supposed to abstain from sexual sin. Of course. Yes, we're supposed to pursue holiness. Of course. We're supposed to obey God's law. Of course. But we have to have, we have, to have something more than just a GPS system that tells us where to go. We have to actually have the power, the 
engine to drive us and help us and propel us because if those boats didn't have an engine what would happen it would just sit it would sit in the water right it would sit in the ocean it wouldn't move the gospel paul says is the power of god for salvation yes. it's the it's the engine that moves us that 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 moves my heart to obey what God's law is telling me to mm-hmm. actually do. And that that was wrote this book because so many believers are just they're they're they are they are struggling daily, but they're just being fed a GPS system. They're not being given the engine and the gospel is the engine. So John, what do we need to take away from the gospel? What do we need to be able to say no to sin and yes to God. Well, that's that's a great that's a great question, and um, if we had a couple hours, <laughs> <laughs> we could we could unpack my whole book because that's what my whole book is about. Um, but th- this is an interesting thing for the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the book of excuse me the Church of Corinth, uh-huh. and he wrote the he wrote the book of First Corinthians. Nobody argues that the Corinthian church was a complete moral mess. Mm, right. <laughs> um, but, but what he does in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when he begins to address this issue of, of men in the church who were, who were um, how do you say this politely, they were visiting prostitutes, mm. temple prostitutes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an unthinkable act. I mean, it's so shocking to hear that. But, of course, we live in the 21st century where it's pretty shocking today as well. But, yes. but, but Paul said, Paul was writing to these Christian men. And he said, look, he said, he asked him a very simple question. Do you not know? He was trying to tell them, look, there's something that you don't know. But there's something that I'm going to tell you actually remind you of that I told you from the beginning that brought you into this Christian life and you've forgotten it. Mm. You have disconnected your identity in Christ that you've received through the gospel with your daily practice. Mm. And and so he brings them back to the basics of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And he just begins to rehearse with them through 1 Corinthians 6, where my book comes from, the basic life-giving truths of the gospel. He talks to them about the doctrine of adoption, which is the highest blessing of the gospel. He talks to them about justification, the fundamental blessing of the gospel. He talks to them about resurrection. When is the last time a believer has sat down and been taught the doctrine of resurrection, the the hope of the gospel, mm. as the truth that that purifies your daily life. Um, but I I could keep going through the book, but but Paul just walks them through all these different aspects mm. of the gospel and the fruit of the gospel. He says you're the temple of the Holy Spirit because Christ has bought you on the on the cross. He you're his purchased redemption. He has paid the ultimate price to to own your body, not just your soul, mm. but your body. Your body's destined for a glorious future resurrection. So it matters what you do with your body now as a mm-hmm. believer in Christ. Yeah. So these are the things that Paul does 
And these are the things that we don't know. But, but Paul says, I'm, I'm going to bring this back to your remembrance to help you be empowered to actually live a pure life. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's John Fonville, and he is the author of Hope and Holiness that we're visiting about today. So, John, talk to that person that's listening this morning that is a little discouraged maybe today because of um, their sexual um, impurity that they have a problem with or that they have never admitted to uh, someone before about this. And they're struggling with that, but they want to pursue a sexual integrity. Talk to that person this morning, John. Yeah, thank you. Um, I I come across this on a weekly basis. Um, We we find Christians, they're just struggling. The first first thing that I would say to the person is this, when they come to me and they say, you know, uh, Pastor John, I'm just, I'm struggling. I'm, I just, I, I have this fight and it's relentless and I don't feel like I can, I can get a grip on it. The first thing that I tell them is, Okay, let's just take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. If you're struggling, I want you to be comforted right now. And people look at me and go, well, that, well, gosh, I mean, I'm sinning so much, I'm struggling. I'm like, yes, that is proof that the Holy Spirit is working in you to kill your old Adam, mm-hmm. to destroy your, to kill your mm-hmm. flesh. And so when people begin to see that this struggle that they're having is evidence of the Holy Spirit, it, 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 it comforts them. It's, it's a source of comfort because if you're not struggling with your internal sin, with your daily battle with your flesh, you should be concerned. Yeah. But the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 17, he talks about this, this great internal struggle we have the, the flesh sets its desires against the spirit, and the spirit sets its desires against the flesh to keep us from doing the things that we want to do. And so it's the Holy Spirit who actually creates this struggle because mm-hmm. he's trying to conform us into the image of Christ. And so mm-hmm. the first thing I tell people is be comforted, take comfort, have assurance. The Holy Spirit is slowly killing your sin. Mm. But after that, I take him to Galatians 5, verse 24. And I say, look what the Apostle Paul says here. He says, those who have, who have faith in Christ, they have crucified their flesh with Christ. Mm. And, I, and Paul says, believer, you have to understand this. Yes, you have this great struggle that I just talked about in verse 17. He says, but the truth for the believer is this, is that 2,000 years ago on a cross at Calvary, when Christ died, your flesh died with him through faith in his atoning work for your salvation. Mm -hmm. And Paul says this, he says, though you have this great struggle and you feel like you're not going to have victory over it. The gospel has Christ's salvation, his atoning sacrifice on the cross for your sin, for your struggle. That has the last word. The gospel, not your flesh, not your struggle, but Christ, the gospel, has the final word with your sin in your life. And you're going to be a victorious Christian. 
but there's there's a real struggle. It doesn't you don't get victory overnight, but ultimately, ultimately, the gospel has the final word. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Mm. That's, there's so so much hope there, John. I mean, it's hard to go through the struggle day by day by day, but like you mentioned, the resurrection power that Christ gives us because we have his power to overcome. It's just, you know, how do we use that? How do we use that in a day by day? Like walk us through a day. How would you start your day? Uh, just, you know, to begin on the right track to know that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is alive in us and can, can give us the power. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, uh, that's that is exactly what my book is about. Um, it takes the Apostle Paul's question, "Do you not know?" And the uh, the obvious answer is, "Well, as a Christian, I should know the gospel, but I don't know it as well as I should. So, what is it that I have to know? I've as a Christian, I have to grow right in my understanding mm-hmm. of the gospel, which, which the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, he calls it the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so we have to come back because as Christians, the, the gospel is this, um, it's this unexpected word spoken to us from outside of us. It comes from heaven. That's what Paul's or Jesus tells Peter, he says, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter, but my Father who is from heaven. What is it that, what is it that we know? Well, we know that we blow in it, that, that we sin, that we fail. We know that well. But we also have the conscience, which is God's law written on our hearts. And Paul says, this is what you know. You know you're not supposed to do this. You know you have a conscience. You know these things, but what you don't know is this surprising word from heaven. Here's a perfect example when Adam and Eve are in the garden and they sinned. And God comes to Adam and he says, Adam, where are you? That God, God's omniscient, he knew where Adam was. That, that wasn't right. a question of location. That was a question of judgment. Adam, where, where are you in relationship to me now that you've sinned? How do you stand before me, Adam? And the Bible says that was naked and afraid. He says, I heard your voice and I was naked and I was afraid. I was fully exposed to living God who's my judge and I have nothing to cover my sin. And Adam at that moment with Eve, they were expecting judgment. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God speaks this surprising word that they had never heard before called grace. And God promised to send them a champion seed, the offspring of the woman, who would crush the serpent's head. They had no idea that God, their judge, would become God, their savior at that point. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens with us because we just, the gospel is so strange and foreign to us. But here's an example of what I do. Uh, Paul takes us through the gospel, the, the doctrine of justification. In First Corinthians six, the highest, the fundamental blessing of the gospel. And here's the question that we have to ask ourselves as Christians: How are we righteous before God? How, how how do we come before God without fear of condemnation? And the the gospel, Paul teaches, he says it comes through faith in Christ. And here's the amazing thing: 
through simply faith in Christ, Christ alone, faith alone, as we trust Christ, even though our consciences accuse us that we have grievously sinned in thought and word and deed. And here's the, here's the other part. Even though, Paul says in Romans 7 or Galatians 5, that we're still inclined to sin daily as Christians, God, without any merit that we have, he gives to us, he imputes to us the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ so that we're justified, which means this, just as if we have never sinned, and just as if we have obeyed perfectly our whole life, just like Christ did, and that gift is through faith, faith alone. And that is a startling declaration by God, and you're thinking, wow, how can God declare that over me when I'm so guilty? And it's because of the perfect satisfaction of Christ, his perfect life, Mm -hmm. his perfect death, his perfect burial, his perfect resurrection, that perfection, that righteousness, that holiness is given to me as if it's mine, and it comes by grace through faith in Christ mm-hmm. without, without anything else that I have to do. And when I have that, Paul says, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so as Christians, as we sin, we're not condemned. Yes, we are disciplined, but the author of Hebrews says that's one love, not judgment. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's good. That is a great reminder for us. Hope and Holiness is the name of the resource, How the Gospel Enables and Empowers Sexual Purity. John Fonville is our guest this morning. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you joining us today. Thanks. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You as well.